welcome to another episode of Chapter Surfing. I'm your host, Lenny Burnham, and this month we are talking about The Midnight Club on Netflix based on the book by the same name by Christopher Pike. And my guest is Alayam Lockney, editor of this podcast and also a musician. Hello. Uh, it's it's me, the editor, L. This is the only time that we have uh, technical difficulties, so I'm just re-recording my intro. As Lenny said, uh, I edit this podcast and also am a musician. I have an EP coming out on March 10th, uh, which I talk about at the end of the episode. Um, other than that, the only thing that is missing now is me asking Lenny if he has ever read any Christopher Pike books, and he says no. And without further ado, back to the show. In the the copy I purchased of The Midnight Club, it bills him as like a YA author. And definitely the, the books that I read when I was younger are aimed at a younger crowd, but it's also pretty graphic and very sexual. It's a lot of like... <laughs> And he entered her and, and she welcomed him with all of her body yeah. or whatever, stuff like that. Or there's like a passage where there's this one story where a girl gets like pissed off at her friends and so she like tries to fake her suicide to make them <laughs> feel bad. And she fucks it up. She like jumps off a cliff, but she's got like a bungee. And, and she does it such that uh, uh, she slams into the cliff face and there's like a passage about how her skull is cracked and she can like touch her own brain and everything which is like way more I mean there's definitely like sexual stuff in the Midnight Club um, but definitely not as uh, you know uh, gra- uh, like detailed <laughs> as I remember and certainly no violence to the degree that I remember. I remember reading these like very pulpy uh, uh, you know I don't I, I'm, I'm struggling for the term but just like like a very violent uh, thing so yeah yeah yeah. Did you ever read anything like that though? I feel like you would have. Um, yeah I mean I'm sure I did. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I didn't know that you had a background with Christopher Pike, but I, of course, uh, asked you to cover this particular show because I know your feelings about show creator Mike Flanagan. Do you want to talk a little bit about that as far as just like influencing your expectations going into the Midnight Club? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I am an ardent fan of his film work and I have been from the beginning. I have seen, uh, his, I believe it's his first film in absentia. Uh, which I believe is on YouTube, actually. Um, that's about, like, a, a woman whose husband goes missing and shows up, and it's, like, probably the most cynical ending he's got. Like, I think Mike Flanagan has really gotten this, like, hopeful bent to him, where he, <laughs> to a uh, fault, um, where he just won't let anything be sad or mean, even, like, the sad realities uh, of his stories and that is his like darkest grimmest tale uh and then i was a huge fan of hush um and which i'm, I'm curious to revisit some of his older work and maybe like it less but i think hush uh is served by the fact that there is a 40 like a 20 to 30 minute stretch where no one talks which <laughs> is great after watching the midnight 
love. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think Doctor Sleep is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I have seen uh, both the theatrical and the director's cut. Like, oh, Jesus, I'm really <laughs> making a nerd of myself here. Um, I think the director's cut is like a flawless film. I think it's extraordinary. Um, but his TV work. I really like The Haunting of Hill House, and then Blind Manor I really wanted to like, and then it got like three episodes in, and I was like, oh no, (laughs) is this bad? And then it was. (laughs) Um, And then I watched Midnight Mass, and I thought Midnight Mass was unacceptable. I, I think the way that he paces things out, there is no excuse for that. Like, I don't know how in the editing room you can be like, yeah, this is fine. Like, this is okay. Um, you know, like, further thoughts about those, but I don't want to bog it down. Do you, have you watched his TV? Yeah, it is so weird to me that it seems like a lot of people think he, like, went downhill. Because I think Haunting of Hill House is so fucking boring. And, like, anything after that, I'm like, at least it's not Haunting of Hill House. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's the monologues for me. It's, it's, it's not just that they're monologues, but he, there's, like, a specific moment that I want to talk about in the TV <laughs> show. Um, so I'll save it for that. But, like, he really just wants his actors to talk and talk <laughs> and talk and talk. And it is just, like, maybe I'm misremembering Hill House, but I remember Hill House at least having some panache and some, like, actual scares <laughs> and and be doing horror. I know horror is a pretty malleable genre, so it doesn't have to be, like, scary per se. But, like, Bly Manor, I was like, please, like, sh- stop. Stop <laughs> this. You have somebody, somebody on set has to put an end to this. <laughs> Oh my word! Um, so you read the the book and the sh- watched the show kind of like simultaneously, right? Yes. So I watched the first two episodes as I was reading the book, and then I finished the book, and then I finished the TV show. Okay. Yeah. Did you? How did you do it? I just uh, read the whole book and then started the show. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I imagine a pretty similar experience then. Um, the one thing was that when I was reading the book as a result of having watched the TV show, the first two episodes first, was I always pictured the characters as the actors. Oh, yeah. That makes, the that's actors. interesting. Yeah. Because what happened to me was um, I pictured the characters very sort of like Beverly Hills 90210 because, you know, it is like a 90s book. And then like... When I watch, when I started the show, what was so interesting about it was like they actually look young, and like when I actually saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, eighteen-year-olds are really fucking young." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was interesting because like I don't know, I think for most of the characters, it actually like worked pretty well, like in my mind's eye. But the one thing that they keep coming back to in the book is that like. It's Alonka. I apologize if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Pulak is her last oh, name. I don't. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't know <laughs> Polish. But like, it. They keep being like, she is the most like Aryan Polish woman <laughs> of all time. Which is why all the past lives stuff kind of ends up being like a little thorny. Wait, yeah. we should talk about. We should talk about the book, like sure, the, the yeah. plot of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like. Uh. So, The Midnight Club, the book, is uh, 
they're all in the hospice, uh, all terminally ill teenagers sucking and fucking, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, Ilanka is like our main character. I actually really liked her more in the book because she, I, I thought, was more like impulsive and selfish in a more realized way that feels like a teenager. Like when um, she yells at uh, Kevin's girlfriend, like that felt a lot more organic and, and more based in like her experience as opposed to like, <laughs> oh boy, like the, the, I got caught doing a bad thing in the TV show and, and I got dressed down. And so I'm at my wits end and, and the girlfriend shows up, but like, the thing that that's that really I liked about the book was that it is like a spiritual exercise in in like a very genuine mm-hmm. way that is is thinking about like because they bring it into the show of is there an afterlife? One of us is going to die. We are all going to die. Somebody, whoever goes first, has to give us a sign, right? And I really liked that as like what if there is a hereafter what does that mean we can't even really know because what does a sign mean all it means is that there is something but we don't know what it is and i think that it's like very nice that it's unspoken and obviously the sign in the book where um so anya's all right so alanka's roommate anya dies and uh uh had like a broken figurine and uh it comes back like fully formed without any sign of repair and that's the sign and i think that's very beautiful because like even though it doesn't necessarily say like oh it's heaven it's paradise (laughs) or whatever that there is something and that there is like a capacity for like a beautiful kind act within that even if it's not concrete um Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Anyways, but yeah, like, no, yeah, like, what What did you think of the book's conception of, like, spirituality? Yeah, so, the, like, the book is super earnest and philosophical, um, which definitely was not what I was expecting. I thought it would be more, you know, uh, kids telling horror stories to it's each other. Scary. <laughs> yeah. It's not scary. It's not, yeah, it's not trying to be scary. And, yeah, it's super philosophical, which I... I don't know. I kind of don't care that much. It's like, I felt like the time to read this is when you are a super earnest teenager and you're like, oh my God, yeah. It is a very simple, like, conception of the thing, which is, like, really hammered over and over again in Alanka's, like, past lives Mm -hmm. stories where she's constantly, like, because all the other kids are, like, I don't know, fucking Spence is, like, yeah, there's a guy in the Eiffel Tower with a fucking rifle and he's shooting guys down or whatever, and he's blowing people's brains out, um... And then the one scary story, which is like the only one from, correct me if I'm wrong, the only one from the book that they bring into the show is Anya's story about the duels, where the devil comes and is like, I can create two of you and you'll experience the same things, but like one of you gets to live the like nice life, uh, you know, the very uh, preppy, like I'm the ballerina dancer, blah, blah, blah. And the other one of you is the, like, party hard, like, I'm going to go do fucking H, you know? Um, And that's the only one that is in the show, right? Yeah, as far as I remember, I think so. Yeah. uh, I I think that's a wise choice. Like, I actually really like that one. The rest of the stories in the book, 
and take him really long. Yeah, like I liked um what I liked about Spence's is that they were like very realistic, like teenage stories. Like even the yeah. other characters in the book are like, this doesn't make sense. Like you're making a yeah, ton of like, logical Yeah, you're, you're totally fucking. You're a bad storyteller, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah, um, but at at the very least, like I do. It is very simple, but like I do enjoy that because that's like a I don't know. I like I think about spirituality and stuff like that a lot um i at least like that the book has like a very tight neat thesis of like you know what like we all love each other and maybe like love transcends (laughs) time it's very cloud atlas or whatever um and that like (laughs) for the thorniness of like (laughs) hi i'm a wonka pulak a (laughs) polish woman what if in a past life i was like an egyptian princess or whatever (laughs) thorny as that may be like i think that the core idea being expressed there is at the very least like yeah like there is this is something that like appeals to teens and is like a nice sentiment and is is expressed like in a in a way that comes together ultimately i think he ruins it with the epilogue because (laughs) my whole thing about faith and spirituality is that like it's you know like people think that like faith is you know like you believe it and even though you can't know it's real like the 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 absolute belief is what makes it like faith and i kind of agree but i also think that like the doubt is part of it Mm -hmm. you know and in the doubt comes questioning. Like, this is like, I mean, like, this is why the Talmudic scholars exist, is because they're like, this is a contradictory text that is a lot of fables and a lot of, like, moral lessons, but a lot of them are, you know, like, not just morally contradictory, but also, like, in the, in the literal, most literal interpretation don't align with one another and that's what's so fascinating is in the doubt comes questioning and in questioning comes like a more profound sense of faith and so for him to fucking throw in that (laughs) epilogue where clarlon or whatever the fuck (laughs) their name is to be like yes the 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 you know cyclical lives the rebirth is absolutely true (laughs) is fucking stupid and bullshit and like it's so clear that it's for teenagers just to like make them feel safe or whatever you know make them feel held but like i think it's fucking stupid (laughs) and i hate that but the rest of the book i thought was like very tight yeah i yeah i like that they how that they like don't know and that's a big part of it and like there's yeah there's the part where Alonka's like, and I know all this stuff about ancient Egypt, and they're like, well, did you know that stuff after you read books about it and she admits like look i don't know i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and okay i feel like we've covered the book in fullness you know it's pretty simple (laughs) it's yeah i you know i'm not a big reader it's like 200 pages i read it in like a day (laughs) um but so that's the thing is like i truly could not tell you what this show is about (laughs) like i know i know that like because they refuse to let subtext be subtext (laughs) there are so many times in this fucking tv show where somebody tells a story and then it's like and this is the moral of the story (laughs) um but truly like i i don't know what the show is about other than like it's nice to be nice you know (laughs) 
Yeah, like what 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 was your ultimate takeaway from the show? Yeah, I mean, I liked that it had more flash to it and was a little closer to fulfilling like what if this like had, you know, more like strong horror premises that are fun to watch. Um agreed. Uh yeah, I definitely wouldn't say like that it had a strong ideological component. <laughs> um there's definitely a lot of sort of um, contradictory stuff, which I mean, in a way, I sort of like, because I do think, like, if you were a dying teenager, then every single day you'd have a different philosophy about it and be like, do we have to accept it as it is? No, actually, we have to do everything to change it. And I was like, that actually does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it was like, yeah. It, uh, and it's also weird because it's his first show that wasn't actually developed as a miniseries, even though Netflix did still fucking cancel it, it after one season. absolutely should have been a miniseries <laughs> because then maybe something would have happened in the TV show. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, I don't really like miniseries, but I think, like, because the book, part, I think part of why the impact of the book is so strong is that they do all just, almost all of them die just like within a couple months of each other. Yeah, and that all has, die. That has a yeah. huge impact. And so yeah, the fact that it wasn't adapted to be a miniseries I think is hurt it. Especially since it still got fucking cancelled. Yeah, oh <laughs> my god. And and what a deserving cancellation <laughs> it was. That's that's the thing. So like in the back of my mind, I was watching this and like, I want to I want to couch this in like, I know that not like all terminal illnesses like manifest super physically it can be very cute or whatever all these kids look healthy as a bird <laughs> like like oh wait hang on a second igby rigney yes yes <laughs> the best name ever playing so kevin good. um igby rigney <laughs> every time i was watching it with my partner and we would just like in our apartment not even like to each other be like igby rigney um <laughs> Like, there's that scene where he's getting dressed up for prom and, and uh, uh, Ilanka's doing the makeup on him and uh, she's like, you look great. And he's like, I look like a skeleton with bags on it. And it's like, no, actually, you look like a teenage heartthrob. Yeah, you that... look like a healthy young man. <laughs> that was super disappointing because that is something that I think is so good about the book is yeah. that they're, like, disgusting. Like, at the end, um, one thing I really like is that Ilanka and Kevin like have a moment where they sort of agree that they're going to fuck, but then they're immediately like, but obviously we won't actually fuck because like it could kill us. Like we're we're falling apart. Our holes are not in condition to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like they talk about them being like emaciated in the book. Cause like, obviously, yeah. Like, especially like if you are immunocompromised, like, Particularly the the thing that really bothered me with the show was uh, Spence and AIDS, where like in in episode two they throw it at you because he like cuts himself on the paper cutter and a little blood oh, gets on Anya's uh, shirt and he immediately freaks out. Which like that beat in a, in and of itself is not bad uh, as a way to like reveal that the character is is uh, you know has AIDS, but like. Um, then it immediately becomes this like incredibly patronizing like oh uh, where where Alanka is like whoa is everything okay and they're like he is AIDS yeah. do you think there's a problem with AIDS and then all the characters in around go like there's nothing wrong with AIDS and even Sandra the religious character is like yeah you know 
I'm a big uh, uh, Jesus freak, but even me, you know? What about you, Alonka? Yeah, it's so annoying because they're, you know, kids in the early 90s, and he just, like, got blood everywhere, and immediately they assume that Alonka's reaction is, like, pity for him. And it's weird that no one would think her reaction would be being like, oh, this is, like, bad for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, you know... A cishet person in 1994, I'm scared of people with AIDS. Like, I know it would, that could be, like, uncomfortable, but I think it is, like, worse that it is so severely sanitized. And it's so much better done, I think, in the book because the entire, like, that's the thing is, is I really, like, as a queer person did not, I hated the conception of queerness in the show. Where it is like everything shaved down, everything is very nice. Like I know like his mom or whatever has fucking problems, but that resolves itself and she's like, yeah, it's totally fine. Where like all of his queerness is in relation to other people. Like his story at the very least, I think, which I enjoyed. Yeah, like I, I actually really it. like all the stories the kids tell in the show for my problems with it. Um, but most of his queerness is in relationship to other people and I recognize that like in the show like he's not had a ton of community or whatever but there is not a ton of self-exploration and his relationship to his own queerness in the show and the fact that the only time that it happens take place uh takes place in a fiction in his head is like this isn't this isn't a real gay person. This is just yeah. like this is just Mike Flanagan being like, what if I what if I wrote the most blameless gay person on earth? Whereas, like in the book, I really like that um, he is you know he has like a committed partner, but like many people in the queer community, like he had sex, he had multiple partners, and one of them gave him AIDS, and then he gave it to his uh, like primary partner, his like romantic partner. And then his romantic partner died. And he's always like, he has such a conflict in himself about that. And and I think that is such a more interesting conception of a queer character than like, what if I was like a, what if I was the nicest boy on <laughs> earth? And, and what if I was so nice that I won over my homophobic mom? Yeah, you know? and I also just think like the kid just like acts like, a gay kid in 2022, like so much. I think that actor does a fucking terrible job. <laughs> <laughs> He's so bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not just him, it's just like also the, like the direction they chose to go in. Um, um, but uh, yeah, like in the book, um, it's a surprise to people at the end to like find out he's gay. And like, I don't, I don't generally like care about uh, characters being like, quote unquote stereotypical but like I think it's annoying when someone isn't stereotypical in the book and then the show is like okay he's gay got it I know exactly how he would yeah. act and that's also like again in the book okay so uh, I'll, I'll couch this in another point like you talk about them being in the 90s there's no fucking reason that this show had to take place in the 90s because yeah. it's not written like that at all except <laughs> so for that fucking dog shit 
fucking funeral scene where they play Time of Your Life by Green Day, yeah. which is actually appropriate for the time, but also fucking sucks. Yeah, I do um, actually like most of the 90s needle drops. Not that one, obviously. But um, yeah, I like thought the music was good, but like so much of the dialogue is people in like 1994 being like, that's on fleek. What an epic cringe. <laughs> yes, epic cringe is a literal fucking line yeah, in the show. Like and the- I don't need, I don't need these people. I don't need Kevin to be like, yo fam, I've got leukemia for real no cap but like jesus christ it's so weird like i feel like with most teen shows the problem is that like writers are too old and this i was like i think the writers are too young like no one knows how people fucking talked in the 90s in this wait sorry let me let me finish my point real quick so with the 90s thing like it makes more sense in the book for spence to have hidden his gayness um, from everybody else because obviously it's the fucking 90s yeah. you know we're, we're, we're what like two decades out from gay marriage being legal or whatever um, fat load of good that did us <laughs> um, but uh, uh, just like in the show like it, it, it it's so like it truly does not track at all and everybody is so like warm and open and even the religious person who is like in the in the book uh uh, I can't remember if it's Sandra is still in the book, but like Sandra has been split into like several characters where where in the book she is like slightly religious and she lies like a little bit. And then they were like, what if we took that character and then we're like, okay, their entire character is she is religious. And then what if we took that character and made it another one and her whole character was she lies, I guess. Like... I don't know. Yeah. It just, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, the, the whole 90s thing of it all, anachronisms, are just, like, absolutely do not jive with what that show is trying to do. Yeah. Like, it, you, like by contrast, you can see, like, My So-Called Life, which is, like, an actual show from the year this is supposed to take place. Like, Ricky acts super flamboyant like what we would call now flamboyant and people in that show are still like i wonder if do you think he could maybe be something i don't know like people like that's how people acted they didn't think someone they really knew would be that way and yes sandra's religion and the show i think was done really really poorly because i feel like again it's like super sanitized and like people i knew in middle school and high school who were religious would could like fully have gay sex and still be like, I think it's a sin. Like, I think it's wrong. Oh, yeah. And so it's like the so, fact I'm that totally she's like straight. immediately like, oh no, I, I like love you. I was like, she's like way too nice. Well, and then also, okay, her whole story that she tells where there's the, the bit of kerfuffle between her and Spence about like, oh, how does your, you know, you being gay square with your religion and the Bible? And it's like, actually, I mean, this kind of gets into my ultimate problem with the show, which is that, like, Mike Flanagan thinks that faith is an answer and a concrete one where, like, actually faith is is just like the way that you, you know, explore and, and find comfort in the things that you cannot understand about the world. And so Sandra, of course, her is is very doctrinal, supposedly. Um, and, and, uh, so Spence interprets that as such. And so then she tells, so they have that kerfuffle about like, how can we square this? And then she tells that stupid fucking story. That's the worst one in the show, I think. Um, that's like a noir, which 
<laughs> the fact that it fucking ends on forget it jack it's chinatown oh like i could yeah. i could have fucking <laughs> leapt off the roof um but the the whole like it's the it it really speaks to the the limits of these writers and these storytellers and their ability to tell like a queer story where like the moral of that story is like you gave me herpes, but, like, I should still love you, it, I guess. But it, I killed you. <laughs> I tried to. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it really annoyed me that it's, like, very obvious that she was thinking about AIDS because she fucking knows someone who has it, but changed it to herpes. And I was like, wouldn't someone in the group, like, call her out and be like, you're really obviously talking about AIDS? Yeah, yeah, like, you are clearly, <laughs> you know. Well, the, the whole the whole storytelling, you know, Midnight Club can see it is is that's the thing that kind of bothered me and i get it but like there's that there's that fucking james cameron quote from about avatar 2 where he's like yeah people wanted me to cut down the shit in the middle hour where they're just kind of hanging out in the the water tribe or whatever and he was like absolutely fucking not like that's the beauty and like it's it's nice to just let a thing be a thing it doesn't have to advance the plot every single fucking one of these stories <laughs> is like what if this was about me? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know, man. And and at least, like, one or two, I would have, like, from a TV storytelling standpoint, like, I get that you do want to explore these characters or whatever, but I think it would have been nice if at least one or two of them was just, like, we are actually just, like, trying to scare each other. Right, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what, was your, what was your favorite of the stories? Uh, again, I actually, going back, uh, say another thing about the religious plot. Um, I The one thing I actually liked in the middle of it was um, Spence actually telling her, like, your religion ruins families. I actually thought that, obviously way too long. I know you don't like monologues. I, but, um, but I think, like, him actually being, like, uh, your religion ruins families kind of rock. Yeah, no, um, I agree. But, yeah, it goes on way too long with her being a... Uh, her being way too nice towards the end. Yeah. Um, and then also, just going back to, like, them being bad at gay stories, I thought the Zach, Kil- the Zach Guilford character was just, like, a laughably bad character. The, Which like, nurse. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And I really like Zach Guilford, but I don't know if you saw my tweet about this, but basically I was like, I think straight actors can pit play gay, but I do not buy him as someone who has cool gay friends. Oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. No, that guy is married to Pete Buttigieg. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, like, in his first scene when he... Uh, when he's like talking to Spence and he's like, oh, you gotta see Interview with the Vampire, Antonio Banderas. I like... Oh uh, my God. At first, I genuinely thought he was like an overeager ally who was just like, hey, this has hot it guys in it. So and heavy. I liked that better. I wanted him to just be like, oh, hey, I'm cool. You gotta rent this movie with Tom Cruise in it. Well, and the thing too, and this gets kind of into like, so like Mike Flanagan, okay, so this is also like Mike Flanagan auteurism or whatever. I think that with his shows, there is a clear through line that we can officially be like, this guy has such a hold over his creative endeavors that there is like a uh, you know visible through line that um denotes auteur in a way um and he is so relentlessly relentlessly uh, committed to earnesty like he's he he wants every everyone everyone to be like with the full of their chest or whatever and so 
it kind of ran into a problem with me with those characters where I where like uh, the nurse kept being so caring and mm. so welcoming that I was like, I know that in the script, like clearly, like when I'm hearing, like if I'm thinking about the words being said, like this character is not trying to fuck spent but the way that it is being played with this like just really like no one is having a regular conversation everybody is like no it's okay and please come hang out with me my friends and like the entire time i was like my teeth were set on edge where i was like please like we just need to dial it down like a little bit because it seems like there's some romantic tension here and for the love of god like again like if you were a gay person you would be able to fucking see that in a heartbeat but fucking mike flanagan is like no it's just nice they're just friends uh and yeah i thought they're like storyline of bonding was so bad because they set up something early on where um spence says that he hates him and then they're like i mean yeah he's cute and not dying what's not to hate which i loved like um and so it annoyed me that like he actually like wins spence over and like cheers him up by introducing him to his like cool gay adult friends because i was like but the thing is like spence genuinely will never have that and they like forget that because i know it like it's like yeah in general it's important for people to have older queer role models except in this case where he will never get to be a gay adult and they don't acknowledge that and they don't even they don't even like really do the work for him to win him over because it's like that first scene where they're it's like family hour fucking whatever and and spence is like go fuck yourself mike and and they're like i I hate him blah 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 and it would have been so much more interesting and would have actually been like a more fully realized queer character for who Spence is as somebody with no community to be like I'm jealous of you yeah. and also have that internalized like homophobia because I I don't know like blame myself or blame other queer people for my condition or whatever um, and so now I have this mistrust that I have to actually like overcome and instead it's just like the next fucking scene that they interact is uh, uh, Mike like taking his blood and just like they just kind of hit it off yeah. and it was like oh okay I guess that, <laughs> that conflict is fucking resolved yeah. yeah um but yeah so my favorite story is definitely the one Spence tells about uh the guys in college who it turns out that there's a Terminator situation because yeah. I yeah any gay relationship where they're actually both robots who are trying to kill each other, I'm like, yes, that is representation. Yeah, no, that was so much fun. Yeah. Like, I loved I loved when they uh, deviated. Like, I, I, as much as I agree with you that it is better for the story that they are actually telling, like, genre and scary <laughs> stories instead of, like, whoa, in a past life, I was, like, part of a nomadic <laughs> tribe. Um, uh, uh, like, when they delve into, like, sci-fi stuff, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting... Uh, his name but the fellow with like a heart condition when he tells the story about um how like they were transported back to the past by like they 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 kind of leave it ambiguous as to whether or not it's like divine or maybe like far far future human technology which is one of my favorite things um like that's really cool Mm -hmm. that they get into more like sci-fi genre instead of just like out and out horror yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite story? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, like, hmm. I think probably my favorite was the duel uh, one that Anya tells where, just because, like, that is a very cool 
and and existentially horrific thing. Like I love how it ends where one of the duels is killed and then the other wakes up and is like, I don't know if I'm the original or not. Like that's a whole run in Spider-Man for a very long time. Uh, so like he gets fucking cloned in some smoke or whatever and they both come out and they're like, I'm Peter Parker, I'm Peter Parker. And then one of them uh, remains Peter Parker, says he remains Peter Parker and then like goes off and lives a normal life and then Ben takes on his you know uncle's name and is Spider-Man. I think there's like a different name, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and it's like the clone saga where like neither one knows who's the original and it like fractures mm-hmm. their psyche, which is such a cool idea. Um, and also like, uh, I really like uh, the actress who plays uh, Anya. Ruth yeah, Cobb. Yeah, yeah. I really think good. she is the strongest of the show by far. Um, and, and does a lot with what could be interminable dialogue. <laughs> yeah, like great. a lot of like, oh, fuck yourself. Or, That's not a Scottish accent. Jesus Christ. Um, no, I thought she was great. And also she's like one of the few people who like looks ill on the show. And I know obviously like that's because they were like, oh, season one, Anya bites the dust. Um, she also has like the one like really good episode, I think, where like I'd been watching and each episode is like, oh, you know, we tell a story and then nothing happens in the macro, like, at all. You know, like, Alonka fucks off to the cult and then, like, there's a ghost or whatever um, that they do nothing with. And then it's canceled. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, like, the the episode where after they perform the ritual and Anya is, like, in a, having a coma dream, I was like, okay, cool. Like, we have an episode of TV here. Like, we have a real episode with, like, a a concept that we are, like, doing right now. Um, And also is one of the few episodes that I think actually deals with the terminal nature. Yeah, like, it was really, um, it really worked that, they show that, like, if the spell had worked, then Anya would be like, great, now all my friends are dead, and I have this life I never planned for, and it, like, fucking sucks. Yeah, like, it fixes me, but it doesn't fix things. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, and 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 the fact... <laughs> I was... When, the, when it gets to the reveal at the end that, like, all... That she's in a coma, and that all of the stories that she's been told are manifesting in her, like, coma dream state... The, in the back of my mind, I was like, y'all gotta stop telling each other these fucking scary stories. And when you, like, die and the DMT flows or whatever, you're just gonna have nightmares forever. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I liked that a lot. And it was, like, again, like, my problem with Mike Flanagan is he wants everything to be just so nice and mm-hmm. so perfect and so pat. And so nothing truly bad can ever happen. Um, and if it does, you know, then you just get to go to heaven. <laughs> uh, whereas, like, that was like, yeah, like, you know what? Like, if you really managed to make it out of something like this, um, it would, you would never, you would, you would really struggle to find contentment. And, and you could, but, like, it would be a very uphill battle. Um, and that is, like, just such a more articulate, interesting story than what is on the fucking screen, you know? <laughs> God. What, did you have any opinions on Cherie? Oh, I don't remember. She's the one who lies all the time. It's no wonder you don't remember her. <laughs> She's not a character. 
Was she? Okay, so I remember the girl who has, like, famous actress parents. That's true. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty... A lot of the characters they added, I thought, like, didn't help. I liked that in the book it was, like, such a tight-knit group of of kids and then they just all die yeah it was like four it was like four of them in yeah the book, right? yeah that's the thing it's like i don't know why you add sheree because like she's not a you can't have a character whose whole thing is that she lies all the time <laughs> because then either you come up to a point where you get the big moment where she's like actually okay here's here's the real shit uh but that kind of doesn't happen and also it seems like she isn't really lying a lot of the time like she really is like yeah, my, my parents are famous movie producers and they don't really care about me and they're very rich and I play the cello. And that's kind of like the extent of her character. She's very real. Yeah. I like uh, I like her one scene where she compares uh, coming out with Spence and she's like, yeah, my parents didn't... It was fine coming out to my parents because they just don't care about me. I thought that was really good. Yeah. I, I, I did actually... for I, I did like her interactions with Alanka and Spence because it did feel and it's one of the few things that I feel like is is not um, subtext made explicit text where like they're the uh, only like black people on the show mm -hmm. and so like she gets Alanka a wig you know and it's like a wig for a black woman mm -hmm. um, and she has like a relationship with Spence that she clearly does not have with the other kids and it feels very organic like we are the we like we have a shared experience in commonality here that that uh, uh, lends to us having a relationship and and therefore like does not occur with the other kids. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff. Uh, oh my God, did you? Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Natsuki, because it's been a minute. Natsuki was with uh, her name is Tris, right? The one who dies first. I don't remember. Uh, I she she's like the first to go. It's like an episode two, and I'm pretty sure they were together. Oh. And and like Natsuki like holds her hand as she dies or whatever. And then literally three days later, she's like, "I like you." To, <laughs> to heart condition boy, um, who I do like. I do actually think that's a pretty good performance. I yeah, think these I actors, agree. by and large, not good. Yeah, I yeah I agree. Uh, I think by far the best uh person on the show i mean zach guilford is good but had like the fucking worst role so that doesn't yeah. count i think the best was um the like witch living next door who befriends alanka oh, um yeah. and that was often not a good storyline but i was always like at least i'm watching like some decent acting right Wait, now okay so now we i feel like we've delved into the kids enough can yeah. we talk about the what's supposed to be the overarching story yeah, of yeah. the fucking tv show what this cult shit fucking sucks <laughs> it makes no fucking sense like okay first of all when when she keeps calling alanka bright girl mm -hmm. that is flanagan trying so hard to do a stephen kingism <laughs> and it fails every fucking time oh hi bright girl like shut up um but it doesn't it doesn't totally track because like at the end when she does the ritual a they all live. All the, all the, oh, that's, oh, this, this, uh, this is such a, like, again, my problem with Mike Flanagan is like, none of those people in the ritual die because have, God forfend <laughs> that Alanka is, is, uh, holds blame in any way for anything that ever happens. 
Um, and then also, she doesn't even drink the poison. And then the uh, Julie, the cult leader, rises up in the elevator very triumphant. And that is so clearly him as a director being like, okay, so now you're going to go up and it's going to be like a messianic kind of thing. And you've got the shit on your forehead and blah, blah, blah. And you, you know, like it's like you're ascending because um, you've performed the ritual. But they don't perform the fucking <laughs> ritual successfully. She should be furious. Like it just. Yeah, it's so weird, and yeah, you're, like, you're so right about just, like, how they just, like, downplay even the, like, possibility of anything bad ever happening, because, like, one thing that drove me insane was that when Alonka is convincing everyone to do it, they all have this agreement where they're, like, you know, it's perfect, because either it's fake and nothing happens, or it's real and a benevolent spirit saves someone's life, and I just kept being, like, there's another possibility <laughs> like and i hate i was like i hate that i'm agreeing with like the christian girl because she's like the one person who's like no yeah. like not all magical occult forces would be benevolent yeah, like if especially you're going, because there are fucking evil ghosts yeah. in here that are torn it's you. so yeah it's so weird to like not even acknowledge it and then even the Christian girl who is supposed to be aware of, you know, Satan, uh, was like, actually, I will be in your ritual, but I'll do it in my own way. But then in her own way just means, like, fully doing it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's awful. And also, like, I think really undercuts, like, Alanka's character in a lot of ways. I loathed Alanka. I, I, I hope, I hope it gets her. Um, just, like... Because we are shown, and not just, like, in our own mind, you know. Mike Flanagan has no fucking sense of perspective <laughs> in the show. Um, and not just in her own mind. She is literally, like, the picture of perfection. She is, like, I'm a straight-A student. I'm honors. I'm the speakatoriate or whatever the fuck it's called. And And I know that, like, teenagers can be manipulated and i i guess you would call it like i don't know this isn't like in a sexual context but like the cult leader is grooming her like that is what's happening um uh uh and like i know that that can happen to teenagers and but it never feels like she is desperate yeah i it yeah. feels like she's stupid there's something like missing because i kept like telling myself like it does make sense for a dying teenager to make like incredibly bad decisions so like that should be a context where you can do a story where you know she falls prey to something like this but i just feel like they never quite stick the landing i was like it totally makes sense for someone in this situation to be irrational but it's just like not coming together the way they want to yeah and like and it there are so many things around that storyline that just just shatter at the slightest touch you know where like oh it's revealed that stanton was maybe a member of the cult we'll never know um and uh so like it's it's wild that they portray it as alanka just like goes on a walk and she goes (laughs) to the cult and like the the head nurse knows that they are out there and also knows that these kids are sneaking about and then once they do the fucking ritual, she catches them and is like, all right, well, you know what? I guess I'll just like let you free your own. <laughs> and, and just that makes 
I'm not like trying to cinemasins, but there is like a a, a foundational lack of buying yeah. into it that like, I'm able to come <laughs> to, you know? Alonka first meets her because she literally didn't even know she had wandered onto her property because they're so close. And it just like, it's, yeah, like, like you said, you like don't want to cinema sense it, but it's like you are drawing attention to it, like immediately making me like, they didn't put up even a small fence between them and the I mean, cult. there is that line where Stanton is like, yeah, I've had restraining orders put out against this woman. Yeah. So like she knows that she is like, she knows exactly where she is. Yeah. And she should be like, hey, you know, just so you know, there's this, especially after the ritual happens, like, this woman is completely out of her mind and is and is nefarious. Like, she does not have your best interests at heart. Um, and so it's wild that, like, she doesn't, like, say to a night nurse, like, hey, you know, like, maybe monitor the door. You know, put up a fucking, like, motion sensor on a camera, for God's sakes. Yeah, also, like, something I think is so interesting about the hospice setting is that it is for people who are like ready to stop battling and are just like waiting out to die and so like even in the book like when Alonka wants to get tests done to see if she's better the guy running the hospital is actually like I'm not sure if that's a good idea if you want to go through the ordeal of tests which I think is a really interesting situation and it is so weird that like Alonka keeps telling people she chose to come here because she read about someone who got better at the hospice and like i just feel like someone at some point would be like you need to go like you shouldn't be here it's yeah, not good for you're a anyone problem. Yeah. yeah you're exacerbating <laughs> things for these people you're 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 if not giving them false hope you are at least like affecting their their mental well-being and that's the other thing too is i don't know just like the, the in the book like uh uh the all the staff like knows that they do this and they're like yeah it's fine like this is cool this is therapeutic for you and and in this it's it's way more messy where it's like she knows but she doesn't want them to know she knows but then she and and like i don't know just i and especially with alanka again like going back to just being frustrated that she is like stupid for no reason when it is convenient like she is smart enough to have done the research to know that somebody here came out alive because of a mystical happening or whatever. And she never once puts together that like, maybe this person is exploiting that need in mm-hmm. me. Like, I, I, I feel like a smarter, uh, a, a more well-written smart character would at least have a little more suspicion yeah in yeah because you could even do it where she's like i know that there's like a 98 percent chance she's exploiting me but i need you know this small chance that i could live like there you could have an interesting tension there yeah and again it like it's never desperation it's calculus like which is so much less interesting it's just her being like well, I've I've solved it. Like this is where I need to go to do this thing, and so whatever I need to do, um, and even that isn't expressed in a complicated way. Where like every time it like hurts her fellow hospice mates, it's they always immediately are like, yeah, it's totally fine. Like you're you're yeah you're you're part of the club or whatever. And there's no real like relationship tension between yeah. any and of them in that way. Yeah, I think it could have been such a more interesting story if like. Alonka was a worse person because yeah. I think there is something like really interesting about someone who's like 
I'm different, I'm gonna live, and that exactly. like mentality makes them fuck up all this shit. And I mean, I think especially like in a post-pandemic world, that would be really interesting because it's like there are a lot of people now who are like, well, I'm different, I'm gonna live, and it is like fucking up everyone around. Yeah. Them. yeah. And there's there's like an old passage. My dad was like a World War II buff, or is rather, um, and uh, so he had me read a bunch of like D-Day books when I was a kid. And there is this one passage that I'll like never forget from uh, Stephen Ambrose's account of uh, storming the beach where like he talks about a lot of the soldiers had this mentality of like, oh, you know, I'm too smart, handsome, quick, athletic, funny, etc. to die. And then like you, you land there and you realize like, oh shit like that none of that matters mm -hmm. and that would be such a more interesting arc for Alanka to go through but every time she fucks up and gets challenged she's like great full steam ahead <laughs> you know even okay let's i feel like we can move on from the call yeah mm -hmm. do you have any other yeah um the ghost shit is the dumbest shit in the world yeah i agree and i was really I liked that it is more of like a straight up horror than the book because I think that like pizzazz like gives it some entertainment value. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't think the execution was anything special. It's yet. nothing. None, nothing. There is no forward momentum in that story whatsoever other than they show up for a little bit. <laughs> I did get spooked like a couple of times, which I think there's value in that. I, I did get really freaked out when she goes to bed and the woman is like, dear, I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, uh, sweetheart, I'm hungry. And, uh, uh, but like the only momentum that happens there is in the fucking like last shot of the season, <laughs> which, you know, fucking they took that one out to pasture. <laughs> Um, where it's like, oh yeah, these people owned the house once. And it's like, yeah, I, I think I figured that one out on my own. Um, just like, I don't know. And it flies in the face of the one, like, spirit, like, the one aspect of it that they, like, really hold over from the book in the spiritual sense of, like, the give me a sign mm -hmm. from the afterlife, yeah. where they're like, is the afterlife real? And it's like, there are fucking ghosts! <laughs> you know that the afterlife is real! You're being haunted! <laughs> oh, my God. Um, since it is, like, one of the plots from the book that they, they really do in the show, what did you sort of think of the changes in um, Alonka finding out that someone was misdiagnosed and is going to get to go home. Um, I actually, I, I liked it more in the book. Yeah. Just because, like, oh, sorry. Oh, right, no. Right, you're yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think there are some things that are better and some things are worse, but I did really like that she, um, in the show, that she overhears it because I thought it was, like, really weird and fake that in the book is just like, there's a rumor. All the nurses are talking. Yeah. I was like, well, they're bad at their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, d I didn't like in the show that they're just like, all right, we'll send you off later. And in the book, I, I like that um, they try to keep in touch with Sandra, but like Sandra has a new life now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's never textually stated. It, this is more of a read on my part, but I, I feel like it's her... Um, distancing herself from a very painful and, and frightening memory. Yeah, I really like that. Um, 
uh, it reminded me of this uh, really good book I read called What Alice Forgot, and there's a plot in it about someone who's in, like, a support group for women who can't get pregnant, and, like, she's, like, when I get pregnant, I know I, like, won't be friends with them anymore, even though, I, you know, we say that we will and we're so important in each other's lives. They just, like, won't be able to have conversations anymore because there'll be so much going on. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Yeah, like... Eh. I don't know, and I I did like that, um, at the very least, uh, I, I, I keep watching this, I kept thinking of uh, M. Night's Knock the Cabin, because that's kind of, uh, in, in some ways, dealing with, like, faith and spirituality in that way, um, where, uh, and, and whether or not what the invaders of the cabin are saying is real, mm. And I did like in the show that Alonka was like, oh, yeah, no, the, the yeah. ritual worked. It worked on you. And then Sandra being like, no, I was misdiagnosed <laughs> years before this happened. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, and one thing that, like, a very, like, specific minor thing from how they adapted it that drove me crazy was when um, she overhears the conversation and the woman who doesn't know that anyone is listening uh, is like one of my kids is sick which is like that's fine why, why would she give a name but then she's like they will be going home they instead of she which oh, I was like that's yeah. so fake to put in mystery oh yeah <laughs> that is clearly just for the audience yeah and it's so silly because like what it ends up being is that Alonka thinks it's her and then it's actually Sandra so she could have said yeah, she yeah, yeah. it would have it would have increased the tension yeah. <laughs> god yeah and uh, I just I don't know and there are so many points too where just like the the writing is just so thuddingly stupid <laughs> and dull where they are just saying you know oh it, like when they're when stanton is like you know what we're all dying we're all dying every day each breath we take we're all dying and it's yeah. like yeah shut up if, these kids are terminal yeah if you work with terminal children you would not say shit like that it'd be like you got to live a full life and like might have adult kids now yeah. <laughs> it's not and it's not world. just it's not just that it's poor character writing it's that like in those moments they want it to come off as like a very profound yeah. <laughs> thing and like uh, i know that this is written like that was something i tried to keep in my mind was like this is clearly aimed at like teenagers or whatever and i am not a teenager and so i just kind of had to like take my medicine and understand that like this is maybe not for me and it will be a less articulate than i would have hoped but like if i was a fucking teenager and this came out even if I wasn't terminal, yeah. I would be like, this is for idiots. Like, yeah. this is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, the lesson of, like, well, everyone's dying, it just, like, doesn't make sense because it's, like, but someone dying at 18 is, like, a horrible, tragic thing. Like, if I die tomorrow, yeah, that would be bad, but I got to, like, have some adulthood. Like, they yeah. have zero adulthood. Yeah. And there are moments, too, where, like, I know we're getting a little granular here, but there are moments where, like, the characters will just, like, repeat the same phrase <laughs> over and over and over where they're, like, I, you know, inevitably you're going to hurt the ones you love and I don't want to hurt the ones I love and I love you and I don't want to hurt the one I love and it's like, I fucking get it. Like, I understand. You do not need to repeat this ad nauseum at yeah. me. Um, the worst writing for me was when he, when Spence goes to his religious mom and just does like a two-minute monologue oh saying how he God. feels. That 
I always hate that in coming out stories. I'm just like, my like my parents aren't even that bad, and I would still never fucking tell them anything about how I feel. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like, well, and that is, like, that is such a Flanaganism. What a stupid thing to say. <laughs> um, uh, uh, where, like, a similar thing happens in Bly Manor, where the main character gives this achingly long monologue about how like and then and and always referring to herself in the third person by being like she did this and then she got hurt like that and then she and then she and then she and then she and, then she, and like the exact same fucking so like that's a similar like annoying coming out thing that is a stupid thing that no gay person would ever <laughs> yeah. fucking do it <laughs> Um, I came out to my parents like two Christmases ago and I was like 20 seconds we're fucking done yeah. it's just like I'll mention a girlfriend and they'll figure it out <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> and then um, uh, uh, so there is that there is that monologue in Bly Manor and then the exact same thing with the exact same cadence and nearly the exact same <laughs> shot where it's like you know kind of close up and then it kind of pinches tighter and moves tighter the exact same thing happens in Natsuki's suicide uh, monologue, which also I found rankly offensive. <laughs> like, I don't know, just like, just, it's so, it's, it's the fact that it is iterative on a bad element of a previous Flanagan show in that scene really rubbed me the wrong way, where he re clearly he thinks that like, and this is how I'm gonna hit the emotional beat. This is how I'm really gonna pull their hearts. It feels very cynical to me for for such a like pie in the sky, like full throated, quote unquote, earnesty, you know, theme show, blah blah blah. Um, and and then to just so rankly do so from like, okay, so like this is about queer trauma. What about uh, what about like ideation and suicide and blah 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 i can just like retrofit that <laughs> onto this right it just it really rubbed me the wrong way and also that is the worst of the stories i think mm -hmm. um because it makes no sense it's it's trying to do kind of like a a lost highway it's not really even doing lost highway it's so confused um but the sort of like cyclical missy town but like none of the characters make any sense and none of their behavior makes any sense and it's uh, especially in the reveal that they are manifestations of her own mind, you know, like it's it's just so awful, and it's like, oh, Mike Flanagan, you've never had it, you've never had a bad day in your life, have you? You know. Uh, another, um, not story as in like stories that they tell, but like, um, uh, I guess episode storyline on the show that really annoyed me was um, the one between um, the one couple in the group. I'm sorry, I don't remember their name. It's um, Natsuki and, okay. the, and the... I can't remember his name yeah. either, but the heart condition fellow yeah. is after um, When she is, like, avoiding him and is like, I don't want to see you, like, uh, go somewhere else. Um, and then at the end, she's just like, actually, like, I just want to give you this long monologue about who I really am, and then we'll be fine. I thought that was, like, such a cop-out. And I think it would have been so much better if it had just been, like... Yeah, he's like clingy, and you don't want someone to be around all the time. Like yeah. I think there would actually be something interesting in being like, look, when you only have one month left, you want very specific things, and you would be like, I want to spend that month with a boyfriend, but with one who's not around all the time. Like that would yeah. be a nice. Thing. And and also like, even though it it would have been like, 
I written specifically to um, the the terminal situation. Like that's also like a pretty universal. Like that is a yeah. broad thing, especially though. in high school. Like, uh, like high school and college. I feel like I had so many times where I would start dating someone and then immediately be like, you know, you don't have to like live with me now yeah. that you're my boyfriend. Like they just won't fucking leave. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, especially cause like when I, I was in high school, I was like, oh my God, I love this person forever. <laughs> and it's like, no, you don't shut up. Come on, grow up. You know? Oh man. Is there anything, is there anything we're forgetting? Like, is there any other story? Ke- uh, Kevin's story. Oh, yeah. He tells the, like, ongoing story. I remember, like, when he was like, I'm finally going to finish my story. I was like, what was his story again? Because oh, it's not yeah. that interesting. It was, like, the serial killer, the family, like... The hammer It's literally killer, the yeah. Riverdale serial killer gene story, yeah. basically. Oh, we haven't talked about Alonka's suck-ass story. <laughs> that fucking boring-ass shit. Oh, I'm a witch. I can <sighs> scry. Scrying is cool, but... Yeah. Um, what a dumb... E- oh, okay, that's it. The ending is awful it's terrible like okay first of all it you really feel that they did not account for an economy of storytelling at all because it's the last episode and they were like fuck three of these kids haven't finished their stories i guess they're just gonna go one after the other and they're not really gonna totally jive and relate but like we just have to do it because the season's about to end and then and then when they all contribute to the story, like... Oh, God, I hated that. Awful. Like, if you're going to do that, again, like we were talking, this has to be a miniseries and not a fucking yeah. season one of a thing. Because, like, hey, sure, like, I think it's stupid and corny, but, like, if you're ending the story, fine. Everybody contributes or whatever, and you have your big moment. I'm sure the teenagers will fucking cream their jeans over that. <laughs> but... um for for a thing where i'm like i know that this is not over and that also your story is objectively unfinished <laughs> this is not like a good beat whatsoever um yeah just the entire i mean that's the thing right is like we talk sugar about like the stories and our annoyances with the characters but like really plot wise there's so little to dig into yeah. because when they're not telling a story, basically nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, what was frustrating for me is like I feel like the obvious way to adapt this like very short book into um, a TV show would be instead of like having all these messy plot lines of like she's trying to do the ritual. Um, like I think the obvious thing to do instead of like trying to throw in all these sort of half-hearted stories would be to sort of like lean into sort of the black mirror of it and just be like each episode a kid tells a really interesting story and we get glimpses into you know how they're feeling and how things are changing from that and I think that could be really strong and still have through lines in it but I feel like this was um it was like too much overall plot but also not enough it was like yeah two in the middle yeah and then also like uh, for as much as i enjoyed the stories i think that there is a hugely missed opportunity with uh like i mean we were talking about how none of these kids look sick right and i think that that is ultimately like a, a production uh, um 
conceit where like they need to be in these stories because they are telling them ultimately about themselves and so they have to look like i don't know healthy vivacious blah 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 in these stories and so like uh, from a for production standpoint it would be a fucking nightmare because you would have to be like okay i guess we're gonna shoot all the house shit first so we've got all the makeup people who make them look sick (laughs) uh on for like two months here or however long it'll take and then we'll do all the and and it would just be impossible um but like the the missed opportunity is um that like they are telling these stories about themselves and they are doing these self-inserts and it could have been more interesting like obviously when the story is pointedly about like a relationship between two of the people like fucking Alonka and Kevin <laughs> a relationship I could not have possibly cared less about yeah. in the TV show but I actually liked in the book um uh, uh or like Spence and Sandra and things like that like that is interesting but then the rest of it they kind of just felt like they were like oh, I guess we'll just like throw the other actors <laughs> in and like again I get like production you can't hire a million fucking actors for every right. specific story or whatever. But it felt there were many times where the self-insert of it all and the perspective was very ill-considered. Um, where, like, Alanka's story, it would have made more sense, in my mind, for... Um, like, obviously, Kevin should be there, but instead of... Uh, all the other hospice children it should have been like her friends from back home oh, yeah. because they're the ones going out partying and drinking and shit like that though Alonka total square mm-hmm. we know she wasn't <laughs> doing that um, or or I don't know like uh, in Spence's story I think it would have at least been interesting I guess actually no Spence's story is a good example of this where they hire another actor to play his partner um and that's like it, it, part of why that story is like so engaging because I was like, oh shit, who is this? <laughs> like this is in in Kevin's mind his conception of like who he might be attracted to, and that's really cool and interesting. And the rest of the story is just like, don't fucking have that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think again, it's something where it's like too sort of in the middle because it's like they either needed to really think through why everyone is cast the way they are and what it means or else have like a way subtler touch to it and you know not spell anything out and have it be more like you know in the book I like that um all Spencer's story is have this through line of like someone like fucking killing people and then it's like oh that's guilt because he thinks he gave someone AIDS and I like that it's not really a one-to-one it's just like oh there's something his subconscious is trying to work through wait are you talking about kevin's story no spence's story Spence's story. Well, he's, he's not killing people kill, killing people in the eiffel tower oh sorry you're talking about the book oh, yeah, okay the, yeah sorry. I, like, I thought you were talking about the hammer no, story from the tv show i My like apologies. that the book did it with a subtle touch um yes because uh, obviously you know uh Giving someone AIDS is not at all comparable to going on a shooting spree, but it was like, yeah, <laughs> no, you're like Lenny, Lenny, it is exactly the same. We've got you on mic. <laughs> um, but they did a where it was like, oh, I see how in this teenage mind, this is what he's working through, and I feel like the show lacked sort of like subtler things like that, where it's like, okay, yeah, through the Rube Goldberg machine of a teenager trying to work through stuff, this is how it comes out. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, like that's for 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 how like occasionally treacly i find the book it at the very least like those stories oh hi freddy hey buddy i'll edit this out yeah. 
Yeah, we've been chit-chatting. Oh, smell my hand. Yeah, for how occasionally, like, treacly I find the book, at the very least, I think it its stories, like, are a little more reflective in interesting ways of the storytellers. And I, I feel like the show over relies on the the teller being the the lead of yeah. the story yeah they have too much of sort of a like gab session after where they're like oh you told that because you're working through this yeah did you did you like the the uh, they say it, the peanut gallery of it all what like, they're the... like interrupting the story and being like that's bullshit in the no. tv show okay yeah, yeah. um yeah, like, first off, I was just like, I would never be in a writing workshop with any of these people. Because <laughs> they're just always being like, um, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it should have been more like, um, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which is, like, the obvious comparison for this show where someone, like, there's an intro, someone tells a story, maybe they act mm -hmm. out for commercial, and then, like, the story... Uh, ends and they talk about it a little um yeah this uh was way too cutesy for one thing like the one thing i hate about spence's story is that kevin kept interrupting and being like these football names are fake because you're gay uh, shut <laughs> up yeah also i like gay person here i just watched the fucking super bowl and fucking screamed it for the eagles so, go birds like as someone who doesn't know that much about sports i found it very insulting to be like he wouldn't be able to name a football team oh yeah and you can really tell too that there is like a moment where they try to like elide that sort of like you know homophobic stereotype where like uh in his story spence's boyfriend is like no i love football like <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here I know. <laughs> oh my word uh um is there anything else you can think of um i think we covered it pretty well can yeah you, can you think of I think we, right. I think we dug I deep. Think we <laughs> yeah. Um, um, all right, let's fucking rate these bad boys. Um, book? I'd say three, 3.5 stars. Like, I don't know. I had a fun time reading it. It went down like a tall drink of water. <laughs> it's not like anything revelation. It's not Ulysses, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. It like there is stuff i like about it but overall and it might just be like bias that i just like don't care about past lives but um yeah like there's nothing wrong with it it's a super easy read but i wouldn't like recommend it to someone yeah yeah i would recommend one of christopher pike's more violent second fucks nice. you know <laughs> uh as far as the tv show i would rate it one star yeah. i think this thing fucking sucks shit <laughs> Um, yeah, I honestly would give the TV show two and a half. I think you make great points about how it's not a particularly good story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, sure, it has like a little bit of style. It uh, is entertaining enough. I, again, would not really recommend it. It's like there's so many teen shows on Netflix. <laughs> okay, that's my, I guess that's my last question for you. Because you watch like way more stuff that is like aimed at teens because you watch every single episode of tv that's ever been made as far as i can tell do you think that this like would appeal to a teenage audience at all like um yeah i don't really know uh like i think obviously the like nostalgia aspect is obviously something that people are like super into with like 
Stranger Things, that 90s show, a million other stuff Netflix has made. Um, But I don't think they do a great job of that other than, like, the needle drops. Um, And, yeah, I don't think they, like, emotional stuff is super interesting. And, yeah, again, there's just so fucking many teen shows on Netflix that I'm, like... I don't know. I don't think anyone will miss the Midnight Club so yeah. that much. I I should look into how much there is like a barrage of save the Midnight Club under like oh Netflix tweets. Because uh, I'm yeah, I'm not sure. If Can't it's be that much. many. I mean, yeah. surely these other teen shows don't have actors that act like they're in a freshman high school year <laughs> theater black box. Yeah, and also a lot of Netflix teen shows have like gay guys who actually fuck so yeah, i feel yeah. like this would not be doing it for people all right well yeah um i guess it's out time yeah plugs give me your give me your plugs all right um i am oh at... wait sorry recommendation oh recommendation okay, okay. i have a perfect one because it took me a million years last time and i felt like a tit um uh i would like to recommend the web comic what Ooh. happens next uh by max graves it is uh, I will warn, like, a bit of a difficult read, uh, a, a challenging read uh, thematically. All the warnings and stuff are, are you know, front-loaded. Um, but it is about a person who, as, like, a teenager, was, like, very online in, like, Tumblr spaces, you know, and um, was, like, groomed into helping kill like a person or like dismember the body or whatever and then spent because they were like a uh enforced accomplice or whatever the term would be spent years in like a psychiatric institution and then is released and is like struggling to uh come back into the world it is a very very canny articulate um uh assessment of a lot of those more i mean i know that like tumblr and like super gulak and stuff feels so ubiquitous but like if you think about it ultimately that is a pretty niche part yeah. of culture um and so it's very good at expressing that um contradiction and that niche and uh in it, it delves it, it dovetails with a lot of other similarly um, you know, broad but niche things like true crime stuff, because obviously with the murder that intersects, and it is, uh, I think it's a very wonderful comic. I've, I've reread it like twice now, and, and yeah, like I said, a bit of a challenging read occasionally, but uh, well worth your time. Very, very good. Nice. And ongoing, so it's, you know, uh, not done, but there's quite a bit to, to catch up on. All right, I'm going to recommend uh, The Cheerleaders by Kara Thomas, which is a YA mystery thriller, uh, about uh, it takes place at a high school where five years ago five different cheerleaders were all uh, killed um, and now five years later people are still like dealing with that and um, yeah I thought it was a YA book uh, that I read shortly after the Midnight Club that also deals with uh, with grief that I thought had had a little bit more pizzazz than the Midnight Club hell yeah hell yeah all right, now hit me with those plugs. All right, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Aleum underscore fuck. That is E-L-E-U-M. Um, I have an EP uh, coming out on March 10th called uh, Where Could We Go? Where I'm like uh, thinking about kind of, you know, spiritual things and dying and shit like that, you know, uh, kind of in the vein of, uh, you know, uh, inspirations are like Phil Elverum, Mount Erie, uh, 
the microphones, David Berman, Silver Jews, uh, Purple Mountains, and and little little you know slow core indie rock but also a little classically inspired stuff like andre segovia i love a good finger plug you know thanks all right and you can follow me on twitter at lenny burnham and you can look up my other podcast house of house if you want to hear an episode by episode house rewatch all right everybody thank you for listening thank you for being here Elaine. yes thank you for having me bye-bye Uh, just wanted to put a button at the end of this episode. Uh, Lenny and I were talking uh, about how, uh, you know, trans people are being very heavily marginalized, uh, really like hardcore legislation against them. It's pretty fucking bleak stuff. So uh, we just wanted to put a encouragement at the end of the episode uh, for, you know, you listener to donate a few bucks to a trans charity of your choice. If you don't know any, the one I recommend is the Trans Active Gender Center, uh, based out of Ohio. I think that they are a very good organization, um, but obviously, you know, it's in Ohio. If you want to search locally, I encourage you to do so. Uh, you know, thank you very much, and, you know, protect trans rights.